You are listening to The Rouge Report, brought to you by Young's Equipment, your Vodderstad headquarters. As this year's crop goes in the bin, it's never too early to plan ahead for next year's seeding season. Vodderstad Seedhawk seeders are known for their ability to maximize the potential of the plant. Vodderstad, precise, reliable. Remember to go to youngs.ca, use the podcast code ROUGE, R-O-U-G-E, for your chance to win a writer's prize package. Welcome to the Rouge Report, presented by Young's Equipment. I'm Cody Fajardo. And I'm Isaac Harker. Follow along as we tackle CFL topics one point at a time. Rider Podcast. Welcome into the 18th episode of the Rouge Report. We have a special guest today, none other than the man, the myth, the legend himself, Ricky Foley. How are we doing today, Ricky? Doing great, guys. Um, I thought there would be gonna be like intro music though. Like that's no, we'll add that later. So <laughs> that's in post. That's in post. Yeah, that's post. That's post. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's that. We send that to like our team, and our man Mike takes care of us pretty good. But the hard hitting question, first one, first one off the the list here for me is, what's the secret farm workout I need to start doing to get the Ricky Foley arms? Um. Okay. The funny version. <laughs> funny version. I don't know, even know, but like real version is uh, cows used to get caught over the top of the stanchions. They like somehow would jump over the top. So you, I learned at like a very young age to put a cow, half a cow on my shoulders and kind of like squat thrust press it over back over top of the stanchion. Like a three-foot <laughs> kidding. It's a thing. It's a thing. That's good yeah. for tackling, wow. I guess, and driving your hips through and, and all that stuff you need for it. Literally, you just put your shoulder underneath their throat, and you just like thrust the machine before it was a thruster. I was just throwing cows over. Yeah, that's incredible. I guess yeah. for our listeners, uh, you were born on a two was it two hundred acre farm? Is that correct? Yeah. Which I mean, to most people in Saskatchewan, like when I te- talk to guys like Ben Heen and East, but they're like, "Oh, well, that's not a that's a hobby farm." But out out east in Ontario. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Oh, that's hilarious. Wow. Well, I'm I'm from uh, Orange County, so we don't have many farms. So anything wow. over two acres is a big farm to me. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, um, basically, we're just gonna go through and talk about uh, you've had a you had a great career in the CFL. Spent some time in the NFL as well. You're a first round pick in the. 2006 to the Lions and uh, some of the research I did it looked like you had a couple years that overlapped with Cameron Wake can you talk to me a little bit about the times you uh, the years you spent with him in BC and and what you kind of took from him as a pass rusher Uh, yeah um, it was crazy like um, I kind of had fought uh, to like you know get off special teams and become a a regular pass rusher um, every down kind of player and I guess the job, but they were thinking about the ratio of Wally and them. And, um, and then kid, this, this kid comes in, you know, but like every year, a bunch of American guys come in, usually super athletic, um, talented. Um, and Cam at the time was, you know, about the same size and weight as I was. And uh, it's competition, right? So he sat by himself. I didn't really try to make friends of, you know, just being who I was yeah. at the time. And, um, we competed all through training camp. I started the first preseason game. I was, believe it or not, it sounds crazy now to say it, but uh, they started me in front of him. I think it was more of a ratio thing than anything. Um, but Cam was a linebacker, so he really wasn't a pass rusher yet. You know, he didn't really have any moves, and he was like just this raw super athlete, right? And uh, so the first preseason game, he starts the second. We go into the first game of the regular season. He's going to we're going to split time. He's going to go like first quarter, third quarter. I'm going second and fourth. First quarter versus Toronto. It's my hometown. Like. <laughs> Opening, opening game, my hometown city, and uh, this guy goes down and gets three sacks in the first quarter, and I mean like, like not, not like you know quarterback tripped up and he's at you know a zero yard game for a sack. I'm talking about like monster sacks or like bringing the second string quarterback <laughs> field, like NFL just, blitz. Like, <laughs> yeah, bro. I'm like, just, okay, and like uh, needless to say, I didn't I didn't uh, start in the second quarter, and I didn't start any quarters after that. Man, he was a uh, just a monster from that moment on. And uh, me and him became like really close friends um, throughout the year, the next couple of seasons, you know, took trips to Brazil together, 
Uh, that's my boy, man. So couldn't happen to a better guy, more humble guy. All the success he's had, you know, over 100 sacks in the NFL, like just a freak. Um, that's like on the field football things. I'm telling you, like, he's a great guy off of it. Um, yeah. Crazy story, mm-hmm. no one would know. Uh, training camp, first week he's there, keeping to himself, super quiet guy. He's in flip-flops. Everybody's getting taped up to go for practice. Uh, Paris Jackson, a few of us are just shooting around, playing ball, you know, whatever. He's just, but he had to walk past the court to go back out to the field. He just happens to grab a ball underneath the net and just kind of looks around. Got a backpack on and flip-flops. This is like day four of the training camp. Everybody's sore as shit. He just like goes up flat-footed, like I said, sandals in the backpack and just two-hand tomahawk dunks the ball. And everybody just went quiet. <laughs> and then, like the, the messed up thing about it was everybody then looked at me. Like 20 dudes just like looked at me because everybody knew the competition. Like he was a fan. And I was like, yeah. I can do that shit if I want to. Like, no, I couldn't. <laughs> Did you try yeah. right after him? Did you book? <laughs> no, why would I do that? I'm, no. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You know, yeah. this competition kind of takes over for us men and we kind of black out and we just do some things and we look uh, dumb doing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's probably what we're having. It just, it was so good though. Like, kind of feet. Even if I did just go up and like dunk the ball, it was like not, it's just the way he did it, man. It was just kind of one of these weird things. Yeah. Uh, like real nonchalant. Yeah. I think you guys mm-hmm. seen later, like the youth for a while there, maybe you guys are a little too young to remember it, but like if you go on YouTube and you search him up, um, they did this thing where like Aaron Hunt and Corey Banks, a few of the guys were like, you can't touch the ceiling in the Lions locker room. I don't know if you guys ever see that YouTube video. We take money. Uh, for the I'll ceiling. have to check it out. Yeah. yeah we we'll take have money to send that out too. Yeah. It must've been like 12 feet tall. It's ceiling. I'm not even kidding. It's the Lions training facility. It's still there. Like it was like 12 feet tall. So we taped money to the ceiling one day after practice. We're like, yo, you can't get that. And everybody was betting and putting money down on it. Yo, this man just went out to <laughs> and grabbed the money off the ceiling. Like, yeah, man, he's a freak. Like he, he Holy. Yeah, yeah, super freak. And I'm sure like being friends and having that competition, like the years you guys were playing together, like that's just only going to make you both better and like p- push each other to, to keep going and practice and things like that too. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, Cam was like super chill. Like, you know, once off the football field, um, there wasn't much football. Like we didn't ever really talk about football. We didn't really, I think that's what kind of made us have like such a good friendship is it wasn't about like how the game go or you guys know how it is. Like after you get done a game, everybody wants to talk about football and then you go around people and people want to talk about football, 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 football. Yeah. Me and Cam, like, mm-hmm. we didn't really talk about that after it was just kind of, we just go hang out, chill. And you know, we were young, we chased girls and um, <laughs> just had a blast in downtown Vancouver, man. So, um, but the compete level, once the game was on, it was the next level. Like it was, uh, no fear, more fierce competitor. Like that dude had a chip on his shoulder from what his history of what happened after college and Penn state and getting looked over by the NFL and, um, you know, blessing in disguise. Cause he was never really going to make it as a linebacker. And he found his niche as a, as I guess, technically undersized pass rushing defensive end. And yeah, the rest is history. Yeah. And, kind of, go ahead. guys. <clears throat> yeah. And and moving forward, like after he departs, you're able to, to come in and take the starting role and you were actually able to win the most outstanding Canadian award in 2009. Can you just talk to us about that like process and then the process of switching over to the NFL after, after that season? Yeah. Like I think Cam had such success. Like uh, I forget, I know the one year, I can't remember the, the total number of sacks he had. I know he's pushing like the rec chasing the record there for a while, but his second season, I think he had was it 18, 19 sacks or something like that. Like, um, close to 20 it was a lot um you know i just kind of thought to myself well you know why can't i get like 12 15 right i mean it shouldn't be that hard and and i'm a good athlete too and um even if i don't do as good as him i thought you know i lead the league of sacks i said to everybody and sure enough i had to fight through some adversity adversity at the start of the year um wally me and him didn't always get along i look him as like a father figure now but uh i remember one time we're actually playing saskatchewan and uh, this dude, I was fighting with, trying to get a starting spot. They had an American guy that had slotted in there. And uh, I go when I have, I'm supposed to cover the running back out of the flat. And uh, all game long, they hadn't been looking for him. I just been out there covering like no man's land, right? Like, there's a waste of time. I'm like, I'm not going to get more playing time doing this crap. I just like, I'm just going. So I just go and I just disregard my assignment. Sure enough, I get a sack and boys are going crazy, everything like that. 
man, Wally goes over to uh, Dave Ritchie or DC at times. Like, can't trust him, can't play him. And, <laughs> <laughs> man, what, what a sack! Like, I'm, I'm so hype. And uh, Wally's like, can't yeah. trust him, can't play him. And he's like, Dave. And then he, Coach Ritchie couldn't do nothing. He's just like, well, so the rest of the game, I didn't see any more snaps. So Wally made me a complete player, but I had to fight for it, I had to grind for it. And um, yeah, had had a good run there in BC. Then Seattle hit me up. Yeah, and this is thanks to Cam because um, Cam has such success. And, you know, he got like a big time signing bonus. I was like the next guy up. Like he led the league in sack, CFL and sacks. Well, the next guy who did was Ricky Foley. So from the BC line. Yeah. So he was good too. So I got a lot of tryouts, got a lot of contract offers. Went with Seattle. Um, super comfortable there. Awesome experience. Just playing to be nickel pass rusher opposite of Chris Clemens. Had a great offseason. And then I uh, popped some stuff in my groin first playoff, uh, or first preseason game and um, tried to battle back and just wasn't there. And then I didn't want to do the whole journeyman NFL guy, you know, wait for my opportunity. And that, I, as being a Canadian kid, um, I had a good amount of money waiting for me, you know, north of the border. So uh, I took that opportunity to come back to my hometown team in the Argos and um, yeah, it all worked out. Right. So if I'd have been American, I don't think I would have, I think I would have kind of, waited for another opportunity, got healthy and, you know, would have taken those, those uh, practice roster offers. But as a Canadian, you know, like it's a pretty good contract. It's pretty good money back, back North. So, uh, so I, I'm looking at your stats right here. First of all, very impressive 2009. Like you talked about, I think that 12 sack season led the CFL in sacks. Is that correct? You you were talking about in 2009? Yeah, I had a couple of dues to, uh, and then 2014, you you recorded 12 sacks again. But really, the two stats that I really want to talk about, in 2008, you had a touchdown, which I want you to talk about. And you had <laughs> one interception in your career, and that was 2011. Talk to me about those two plays. I'm sure you can remember them uh, like it was yesterday. Isn't that funny, man? You know you're talking to a football dude when they, they – you, you just know. Like, you know, like you have all these sacks and that's what people know you for or whatever, special teams tackles. But, like, it's a thing you only get to do once in a while that you remember. And so yeah. um, I actually got two tugs in my career. One was off a block punt return. That was my first one. And then the other one was off of a uh, – I played short yardage in BC for a little bit. They brought me in as, like, a blocking – as a tight end. And uh, Jerry uh-huh. Jackson was a short yardage quarterback. You guys all know yep. Jerry's Jackson from Notre Dame and uh great guy as well. Now, actually, yeah, of course, you know, I'm also coaching in Saskatchewan. Um, yep. So anyway, so yeah, we just uh, probably blocked like all year, every single play. They never gave me a route, never released me. And then finally they do. And uh, just straight right up the faking, straight, just post route, right? Like 30 yards, just go route and no one's on me at all. And uh, look it in. Easiest play you could ever imagine for a touchdown. And then I was, <laughs> Guys got on me because I should have had a, you know, I kind of chipped my shoulder, kind of like a, thought it was hot, hot stuff back then. And uh, <laughs> everybody was pretty disappointed in my celebration, right? Like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, I didn't do much with it. So, but uh, that was pretty cool. Were you nervous when the, when the ball's in the air? What are you thinking? Just don't drop it? Or were you just like, this is easy money? Oh, 100%. Like, I don't do this for a living. So I was, but I mean, it was all <laughs> It was all hands, man. Like no test, all hands. I have pretty good hands, man. Like um, I'm not gonna. I know everybody's. Every D lineman says that, you know. They're like, oh, you know, I'm the best. <laughs> yeah. Actually, uh, I got some touchdowns as a tight end in uh, in college too, man. So um, yeah, no, it was it was awesome. It was one of those things you don't get to do very often. And um, yeah, the, the interception actually was off Anthony Calvillo, so that was uh, pretty cool. Wow. Um, my only interception. Did you keep the ball? Did you? Yeah, I did. Did you keep the touchdown ball and the interception ball? Uh, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I did. Yeah, there's somewhere in my parents' basement. I don't. Uh, yeah, you have no idea. <laughs> yeah. There's somewhere. There's somewhere. There's a bunch of yeah. There's a bunch uh, of balls, and then like you know the um, you know the, like the the grip tape, like the uh, stretchy tape that you use to like yeah, flex tape. Um, mm-hmm. it's like those are wrapped around the balls and then sharpied on. But I don't know. I was looking like a couple years ago at them, and like man, I don't know what ball this is because it, the yeah, sharpie. sharpie. <laughs> yeah, the tape uh so like little story only people who are listening right now and you two guys are gonna know when you come to my house and see my trophy collection those balls are really from those games probably they're just i'm just gonna say they are so yeah. <laughs> nobody knows yeah that's a good point nobody, nobody really yeah. knows 
should have thrown it back to training camp on that touchdown and two and tomahawked it on the goalpost. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The next question I got for you. So I guess when you came back to the CFL after the, your uh, stint with the NFL, there was a debacle between BC and Toronto. I guess some media reports were saying that you were signing to BC and then all of a sudden you signed to Toronto. Can you kind of just uh, take us through that? Yeah. Thanks for asking, first of all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, man, um, that's on me. Like I've said all along, that's on me. Um, the nitty gritty of it is um, it's, it's like, you know, midnight and I stay um, BC, you know, BC time, right? I'm going back and forth about <clears throat> with BC about negotiations and uh, I verbally commit to BC and I say, okay, yeah, agree to terms verbally. Um, BC goes and like releases it to the media and I hadn't signed the contract yet. I just agreed to terms. Yeah. Now I know, I know like, you know, they still, when your word's your word and I broke my word, it's like, I really hold that close to myself being a country boy and being what, you know, my father's son. Um, so I feel bad about that. You know, I've always stood up and owned up to that. Um, but yeah, so I gone and agreed to terms, um, told my family, uh, at the farm and, uh, my little nephews at the time, they were like two years old and, uh, like four, they had got, I didn't know my brother had got them little Argo jerseys with Foley on the back. Um, cause I guess they thought, of course, he's going to sign with the hometown Argos. Uh, yeah. And they were like kind yeah. of tears. My dad was disappointed. I always supported him. My dad was disappointed. I told Toronto I was going to give them, I told Barkley, like, uh, on my way to the airport, I'll sit, um, sit down with you. I'll stop by the facility, you know, but I'm going to sign with BC. Um, they're like, uh-huh. well, just come back ways, right? So, okay, cool. So I go on the way, yeah. on the way to the airport. I swear to God, my bags are packed. They're in my dad's car. He's driving me to the airport. Just me and him. Mom didn't come. Nobody. It's me and my dad. And uh, sit down with Barker. You know, great salesman, great guy. Uh, well, at the time. And he, uh, <laughs> you know, so he you know, did the whole sales job or whatever. And um, I go back to the facility. And my dad and me are talking like, man, you know. And my dad, you know, he's supportive. And I could tell, man, he, he won't, I could tell, you know what he wanted me to do and what, you know, and, uh, it was at that time I thought I just kind of owed something to my family and not just for myself. I just felt like I needed to give him something there. We had a rough upbringing right at the farm. So, um, I knew I was going to take heat for it. I did. I, apparently I still do. Thanks guys. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, that was- I really didn't want to bring it up for controversy. Cause I, I also noticed that you fell victim to what all the other players did where you get cut the day before your bonus. So, in a roundabout way, that was kind of a good way for you to be like, hey, look, I'm in control around here. Yeah. You know? like, uh, yeah, no, for sure. Like, uh, and as a player, is- I mean, I, I see it year after year, these guys getting cut right before they get their bonuses. And that and that's just brutal and, and you're helpless and you have no way around it. So whenever we see at me as a player, every, anytime I see a player kind of go through it. Like I t- we talked to uh, Darian on the show and we talked about him, you know, taking the signing bonus with Winnipeg and, and retiring. It's like, sometimes as a player, I remember the locker room, everyone was fired up for uh, double D because we're like, finally the players got one and not the organizations. hundred percent, man. Like it's, uh, I'm, I, if you guys start doing, like, you know, Willie Powell did that with me in Toronto. Um, and it, same thing, take a lot of heat for it, but it's like, you know how much this dude is given and, you know, like no one, like I said, like I took heat for what I did. Um, and that's okay. You know, you know, you say, but then when the GMs screw over like 20, 30 guys every single year, um, yeah. fortunate to be a Canadian, it's harder to screw over Canadians because not as many good players, but like, um, there's not the depth, but like the American guys, every training you're in training camp who are just like, I swear they're just kind of in limbo. Like I, it, it's probably better nowadays because the PA is a lot more, um, has a lot more clout, but Involved. Yeah. Yeah. Like I know when I first came in, they would just kind of just keep guys around the city. Like there would just be these guys from like Oklahoma getting paid like minimum wage just to hang around the city and be in limbo and not know what the hell is going on and not having a flight home. And they would just, it was brutal, man. So, um, well, I tell people that all the time, the CFL, I mean, I got in in 2015 and we had a little bit of overlap in Toronto, but that was like the wild, wild west 
CFL. And I was just catching the tail end of it uh, before mm. things, things are much, much better now, but uh, you right. lived through pretty much the wild, wild west days where it was kind of crazy uh, it, through that CF, the CFL over the years. Yeah, man. It was almost like the PA didn't, the PA didn't have enough power. There wasn't enough um, public supporter. They just, the league wasn't big enough or something where, you know, the PA was scared to kind of support its players. It was kind of like, well, we're fortunate just to have a league. We're fortunate just to have like a membership. So, um, and then I don't know if there was people in cahoots, you know, like some guys were getting paid who were reps and, you know, back table deals, whatever. I don't know. You hear rumors about it. I was too young to really know too much about it, but um, it's definitely gotten better. Uh, but the trade-off, see, so it's better, but then you guys don't stay over in the cities anymore. So you guys don't have like, so it's like old school yeah. CFL is kind of like there was some yeah. shady stuff. Like, yo, old school CFL was so good. It was so I talk good. to uh, Isaac about that all the time. Like winning, nothing better than winning a game on the road and you're staying in Toronto or Ottawa and you get to go out and have a couple celebratory wow. beers with the boys and just experience the city. Now you kind of fly in, you eat dinner and then you play the game and then you fly out. And so you don't really get to experience these wonderful cities that we have in Canada. Um, but back in the day, you definitely, and that built that team bonding. And I think teams got good because they wanted to win and they wanted to go out and hang out with their guys and, and experience yeah. the city. hundred percent. Like, and I, I just don't think people get that. And I don't know if it's a, a money thing. I hear it's coaches want to get back and break the film down, but like every team I've been on, I've been so fortunate, so blessed to have three teams that have won on and the teams that partied quote unquote party the hardest, but like hang out the most and get the tightest. They, those are the ones that win the team that like, Mm-hmm. don't hang out the teams that like do their own thing have little click groups those teams never win and there's like whenever there's adversity yeah, point. inevitably during the season you go through a losing streak like you don't have that bond i mean you know where the, where else like in north america like in general can you get some like uh black dude from like arkansas um to go hang out with a white dude farmer from saskatchewan and in the middle of edmonton in the middle of like november where there's only one bar open on a the Thursday night, like, I'm freezing cold. Two dudes in the corner, like bromancing, like arms around each other, cheers and a beer, singing to like some country music, and like, what the hell happened when this dude came to training camp? Yeah. He was the hardest dude in my life. And <laughs> five or six weeks later, they're like best friends, and everybody's hanging out. And um, man, that's the awesome thing about the CFL. When they stopped getting rid of, you know, the overnight stays, I was like, there's. I'm telling you, man, from an OG, um, when I get together with the guys I play with, it's not, we're not sitting there and boasting and bragging about how many plays we made or how many sacks or touchdowns we had, man. We're talking about the road trips um, yeah. and the memories and the laughs and the dudes who were um, cuties, man. Like, I'm telling you, that's what it's going to be when you retire, man. That's what, that's what matters. That's what you miss. Um, yeah. And to, to get to go uh, on the track on the stuff you said you don't talk about, you guys were able to make the Grey Cup in, in Toronto. And I mean, that's where your family's at and everything. So what, what was that experience like winning the Grey Cup with your family so close and 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 winning the, the most valuable Canadian player in, in that Grey Cup? Yeah, like, um, first of all, like this is the tail, like the segue from the last question, man, that was the hardest partying team I've ever been a part of. Like, I mean, I mean yeah, the like 2012 Toronto. Toronto team. Oh my god! Like it's With Ricky Ray at the helm. Ricky Ray is not pounding beers though after the game. I know that. No, he's not. But he was like, he has the best, driest sense of humor in the world, right? So he oh, was yeah. uh, a non-judgmental. Oh, he'll be there. Yeah, he'll be there. He's so funny, man. He's hilarious, dude. But uh, non-judgmental leader. That's what was awesome. And, uh, but no, that was a great team. Of, we, we went pretty hard in that city, and uh, it was a fun time. And um, it kind of like just culminated, like you know, getting cut from the NFL. Things not working out the way you thought they're supposed to. When you you know you set your goals as a player, as an individual. Um, but going through that, I, I say it all the time. Like uh, NFL money would have been great, um, you know. But it, as a Canadian player, um, being who knows what that would happen. But like you know, winning a Super Bowl is great, um, and it's cool. But like. The hundred great could be hometown. Then there would be anything better than that um, for a lot of the guys who I play with, who are now my best friends, like you know, groomsmen in my wedding type of thing, right? So, um, just the whole life picture, my family, my friends, my lifelong relationships, um, 
nothing will be better than that. The Hunt Grey Cup, right? How so. many Grey Cup tickets did you have to get for that game? I'm sure a lot, and they're expensive too. Yeah, I got a lot, man. Um, it was pretty cool though. Like again, the team is pretty close. So um, I've been on other teams where we go to playoff games or um, big games, and you know, you get guys who don't have any family who aren't coming up. You know, guys who are kind of like bubble guys or practice roster guys, and they try to sell their tickets. Um, there is a pretty good group of guys who. You know, for the local, because we have so many local players, um, mm-hmm. guys are going to give their tickets for, you know, either for free or for face value. So um, yeah. I got a lot of tickets, but then a lot of my family too, they know the situation. So a lot of people would just, if sure. there's such a demand for that game that people would, if you could just put them on the list and be able to buy them, they would buy them. So like we had Justin Bieber yeah. at halftime. But well, people don't understand this thing. Like it was a big deal, man. We had Justin Bieber at halftime. <laughs> you can't beat that. Yeah. It's not going to be. Yeah, we got to get Jersey Drake out there for one of the great cup halftimes. That's Mm -hmm. that's next. Direct West is a proud sponsor of the Rouge Report. Are you a busy business owner needing help with your marketing? Things like updating your Google listing, thinking of a headline for a billboard or making sure your website is in good shape. That's where Direct West comes in. Let them help with over 100 years of expertise at directwest.com. Fast forwarding to the next year, you went back to back. And I guess the number one question we had to ask was you were the sole reasoning behind the um, players rushing the field as opposed to the intros in the Grey Cup. And I know the CFL hated that. Can you just talk to me about where that idea came from and, and uh, how you convinced the guys like, hey, I think this would be the right idea. Just yeah, talk a little bit um, about that. Yeah, so I guess the, the Toronto was the... Um, hardest partying team i've ever been a part of um and i had my like my best friends my like i said grew up wedding closest relationships are with guys from that team um but it, that was a you know not a handful of guys like everybody's cool but that's the sketch on our team from a whole like the entire unit was the best bond the tightest unit like the best dudes in the like i've ever played with that was an amazing group of dudes man like i yeah, they were, I, I miss those boys. I miss that team. I miss that time in my life all the time. I was talking to John Chick yesterday, man. I had a good call with him and uh, just reminiscing about the good old days. But, uh, but yeah, as far as the, the bring him out thing goes, so every we had our themes, like our intro song was bring him out, bring him out, right? And uh, even mm-hmm. though the game was in Saskatchewan and Mosaic at the old Mecca, we technically, CFL rules, weren't allowed to call it a home game. So there was no intros, no bring him out, bring him out. So uh, during the week, on Twitter was kind of like, well, hey fans, you know, let's kind of get this bring them out. Let's do an acapella version of it. That'd be cool. And um, so that was kind of took charge and a lot of fans were on board with that. And then um, I was just in the locker room before the game, getting ready, pre-gaming. And uh, I just thought, you know what, man, like, what if we just said, forget about this crap, these intros, what we just like storm the field to the bring them out. I I was pretty confident the hometown crowd was going to, be doing that acapella, bring him out. I thought oh, it'd be dope. And so uh, I went up to Darian first, you know, our captain, our leader. And I said, yo, doubles. I mean, I don't want to take away from your moment because we were introducing the offense. And uh, I went to him, Dress, um, I think Getty. Um, I don't know who else, but a lot of the offensive veteran guys, I went to him like, I don't want to take your moment away from you, but what do you think about um, if we just say, hey, let's just rush the field, come on there together, man. I think it'll be something special. So everybody agreed to it to a man unselfishly and uh i just remember saying to the cfl dude like bro this thing's happening so you're gonna get ran over <laughs> we're going yeah he was like oh you guys are killing me. Yeah. come on guys oh man i'm gonna get fired and uh <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah i mean getting fired better than getting ran over so like there'll be a casualty <laughs> and uh at least he's got one good bar story, though. <laughs> My man yeah, said man, you're sure. gonna, you're gonna get me fired. Yeah, that's too good. And then, um, super cool, man. That's like one of the best moments of my career. Like as a team, like as an actual team, like the whole year. That's that's the best moment of my career. Um, not individual, this team moment when uh, I actually brought a tear to my eye, man. When uh, when I saw the video afterwards, probably months later during the off season, maybe on YouTube or something, and you see it from like the stands. Somebody videotaped it. And uh, it wasn't just the start, like the guys dressed. It was, you see all the injured guys, you see all the, like the practice roster guys, you see all the inactive guys, some of the coaching staff, some of the equipment staff, every, like so many members of our organization went to the middle of that circle 
and did our breakdown with doubles that we did every single game. And uh, that was the coolest part. So like, you know, guys who we didn't get to dress, they still got to have that moment. That was like the coolest thing ever, man. Like it was while the crowd's chanting, bring him out, bring him out acapella. That, that was just like, that was crazy, man. So lucky. What so would, what, was, uh, what would double say in those breakdowns? Would he change it each week? Or did you guys have a same phrase that you'd say? No, each same, every thing, um, same thing every week. Um, Can you uh, remember man, it? Yeah. Um, Put you on the spot. I know. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I'm kind of I'm getting crossed over now between like the, the Argo breakdown and the, uh, the uh-huh. Rada breakdown. Yeah, it's embarrassing. That I happens have when you have a nice long career though. Congrats, Ricky. That's a good, that's no, a good problem cool. to have. <laughs> I know I ended, I know I ended with, with doubles going up with the fist in the air going, Whoa! and we just ended it like the oh, whole. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> and, and I mean, winning a gray cup with, with three different teams, does like each one mean something different for you? Is it different in Sask where the fans are so rabid or like being, being at home? Like does each one kind of hold a different place in your heart or like, or do they all like run together when you've had such an illustrious career like yours? Yeah. I mean, um, all different. People always say that. I know LeBron James just got interviewed and everybody wants to say like, how much does one mean to you? That's such an unfair question to an athlete, right? Cause what are you supposed to say? Like, uh, well, this, this ring didn't really matter. It's, it's just like, <laughs> yeah. kids, right? Like which one of your kids do you like the most? Right. It's like, come on, bro. Like, <laughs> you know, like, um, all different. Like I said, the Argo one was for my family and individual. That was like, that's kind of how it registers. It's like my best individual moment, my best moment for my family, the best team moment, the best team feeling winning a championship was uh Skatron. kind of how like so many Toronto boys, had won the year before, like me being one of them. And how, I know how special that was for me. There was a lot of Saskatchewan boys on that team with the riders. So like, I didn't even go up on stage until um, like the very end. Cause I had my moment the year before. And um, there was, there wasn't that many guys in the rider team who had had a great cup, like even doubles, man. He, he won one, but he was yeah. like, he wasn't the guy. Um, mm-hmm. Guys like Mike Carla, man. Like uh, I just beauty guys who just deserved it, local guys. And I stood down with the crowd. And I had a lot of parents come up to me, man. And that was the coolest thing too. Like a lot of the local Saskatchewan kids' parents came up to me and were talking to me and like um, kind of like how their son looked up to me or whatever. And that was better than being on stage raising the trophy. So um, that was a super different, cool feeling. And then BC rookie year, um, just come in and win a cup was like, my parents came out there. Me and my dad, like I said before, they had the greatest relationship growing up. and. Um, they they drew uh, drove out to Winnipeg uh, for that great cup and having that was like I, I, you know I, I was only playing special teams but that was a, a pretty different feeling but super special as well right yeah I, I I'm always interested with rings because I have a few myself but do your rings collect dust or do you uh, do you still rock them to this day and how do you choose which one you're gonna wear does it depend on your situation or where you're at yeah I mean um. I think my BC one, I rocked that one pretty good. I'm not gonna lie. Like uh that was a I rocked that one during the off season, it was a young, you know, young blood and uh uh-huh. I was trying to catch some attention with that one. Definitely I was definitely rocking that one a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like just taking like putting it on my drink hand, right? And just intentionally taking drinks. Yeah. Stuff, right? You know, this beer is heavy. Right? I wonder why. <laughs> Yeah, I play football. Well, anyways, um, but yeah, so the Argo one and the Ryder one, I haven't worn much just for events. Like that's how it is now. Like I can't even tell you the last time I, I guess Ryderville last year in Vancouver, I probably uh-huh. wore my my Riders one. Um, yeah, just events now. It's funny. I was doing a TSN thing uh, for one of the Great Cups. I did a couple of years, but just doing like commentary for TSN a few years ago, and uh, I wore all three. And I got this text from G Roy Simon like twenty minutes later, just being like Foley, man. You wore all three rings at a time. Such a dude. <laughs> Never do that again. To this day, man, I don't wear three rings at a time um, just because of G-Roy. And uh, I was like, yeah. Well, if, they, if they're all three of the same team, I think it'd be different, right? Yeah. I mean, be. yeah. I mean, it depends like at the event. Sometimes like you'll, you'll do an event and they'll be like, hey, where are all your rings? Um, yeah, that's kind of, for sure. Of course. Mm-hmm. But Yeah. I don't know. They're in a trophy then, case. Uh, yeah, go ahead. They're in a trophy case, collecting dust now. Just until you put the suit up, suit up and boot up. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not even this. They're I don't even know where they. Well, I know what they are. I don't want to say it on on a video. that way. They're collecting dust. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And as a um, as, a, as a young yeah, player, ahead, I'm I'm kind of interested in this because you you had such a long career, obviously, but you were able to kind of test the waters as a free agent, but you also experienced being traded. What are what are those two like? Just just at those points in your career, what how are those two processes like different? Yeah, it's it's I mean, that's a really good question. Like, um, I always wonder what would happen if I had it been like uh, like some of the really good like some of the best pass rushers like uh, Charleston Hughes, the Calgary staying with them every year, and um, John Bowman staying with Montreal every year. You know, like you get comfortable with the system. It's it's hard, man, to like go into a new system, new coaching staff. And for me, who didn't play football growing up, to try to learn a new system, and after you finally get comfortable with something, like I wonder how my career would have gone. Like in like stats numbers and stuff, I had just stayed in BC with that system and just kept doing my thing. But um, you know, you got to do what you think is best in the best situation. And man, I I just kind of prayed every time, you know, um, and you know, sat down with my family and decided what the best situation was, and got super fortunate that it worked out every time. Um, you know, that you're in control. Like Cody was saying before, like you're in control of that situation with free agency. It's one of the rare times the player you are. Hopefully, you are if you had a you know, good season. Um, and you're betting on yourself, right? That you don't get hurt, that you don't screw up your chances and salary. I never worried about that. I just kind of trusted God's plan and went for it. Um, but getting traded, yeah, that got me. Um, I did not want to get traded to Toronto at all. Um, I don't even care now, but behind the scenes story, like Barker's not really coaching. Though. He can't get in trouble. But like he called me, I was in Saskatchewan, we were in the playoffs and they were eliminated. He called me, he was trying to get me a sign the off season because my best friend Dury had told him, um, you know, like he's not, Foley's going to sign Saskatchewan. I had a deal on the table with uh, Brendan Taman, and I was going to sign after the season. I trusted him, and it was there. Um, because of salary cap reasons, we couldn't, like, sign it right away or whatever. So I had a deal on the table I was going to take, and I told Dury to tell Barker I'm taking it. He got a call from Jim. Um, he's While we're in the playoffs, he's just like, don't sign it. You know, I want you back home. We need leadership in the locker room, blah, blah. I'm like, man, that locker room is messed up. I don't want anything to do with it. I don't want to be the guy to try to, you know, make it right. I'm staying Saskatchewan. I love it here. I'm not going anywhere else for the rest of my career. Like, thanks, but no thanks. Man, I got this big-ass bonus January 1st. Rough Riders pay it. I'm in Vancouver in my place out there in the off-season, and uh, I wake up one morning because of the time change or whatever, and I got, like, 50 messages on my phone, like, text everything. I'm like, what the hell's going on? Call back. It's Brendan. I'm calling back. He's like, hey, man, uh, I don't know how to tell you this, man, but uh, we've uh, we've traded you to Toronto. I was like, man, what? Holy. And what do you say? Because you're like, it's hometown. You won the cup there a year ago. Uh, yeah. You know they're bringing you in there to be like a leader and turn the locker room around. It's not like you can say like, you can't have those expectations on you and say like, oh, I don't want to go. Uh, but man, I did yeah. not want to go, man. Like, I didn't want to go at all. I'm like, I, I swear to God, I'd still be playing if I was in Saskatchewan. Like, I really would be. Um, or at least be trying to. Um, yeah, going back sure. to Toronto, Yeah, bro. Like, it, it was just a crap situation. I, I don't know. I don't want to be too critical of it, but like, put it this way, man. Like, uh, we had training camp my first time back in Toronto in the Arbor uniform. We were at York University. We had training camp at York University. I was like in my old locker where I started playing football, like a 19 year old kid there playing ball before in like little York University. That's where we had training camp. I was like, man, are you serious? I got there all this. I got you on front of like crazy amount of fans. Um, and then going back yeah. to Toronto to the BMO field experiment, that, that was rough, man. Like, yeah, I never want to leave Saskatchewan, man. That's that's uh, never want to get traded from there. Like I said, I still be playing, but it is what it is. Yeah, I was there with you in in Toronto, <laughs> and the facility wise, and we were out of a classroom trailer, and it was like only certain guys could get in the hot tub. And if you were like me, like a practice squad guy, don't even think about seeing the top hot tub or the physicians, and hot you tub. just kind of went home. Yeah, or. Our kiddie pool that was full of hot water. Pool, yeah. our, our, our lukewarm kiddie pool, I should say. <laughs> people don't get it, though. Like, that was like, people don't get how, and that's how it was, I guess, in 2012, though, right? You right. You didn't have the best facilities, and you guys won a great cup that situ- in that situation. Am I wrong or right? Was, like, we were at U- uh, UTM. So, like, yeah, we were oh, okay. in a portable. But, like, um, we were in a portable, but, like, we had the UTM facilities. So, like, we had really nice meeting rooms, like, top-notch like glass panel meeting rooms we had like a good gym there to work out at it was it was pretty good man it wasn't bad 
Um, okay. And then also too, you didn't know any better either, right? Yeah. True. Once you, yeah. Once you go to Saskatchewan, you know, and get that experience. Um, and also too, like I was part of help kind of not help, but like was, con- I don't know, questioned about, you know, what we should get for the new stadium, the new, you know, and uh, yeah. I'm, so I'm going to have this crazy new stadium that I can be part of. And <laughs> Then you go back to the portable situation. It was it wasn't the best, yeah. So yeah, and just a leap of guys. Right? Like that locker room is so tight. Like uh, uh-huh. I tell you all the time. Like if doubles doesn't get hurt in Winnipeg, um, like we are better the next year. Like we were we were rolling. I think we we're nine and zero wow. when doubles got hurt. And uh, uh-huh. we were, I know we were going back to back, man. I think we would have kept that team together for a few more years, but. Uh, just goes to show how good of a player doubles was, how important he was to us. When he went down against Winnipeg, man, that was uh, that was rough. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly. So we got one more question before our final segment. Um, with all the craziness going on, I know you're kind of I follow you on Twitter and stuff, and you're vocal, and and I love that because you've had such great success and experience in the CFL. If you were the commissioner of the CFL right now, what are the major changes you would uh, implement to make this league better? Um, number one, I'd be focusing on Halifax. I'd be trying to capitalize on the stretch of land and population from Montreal um, to the all the way to the east, to the tip of the east coast. Like that's, I don't even know, I'm yeah. not a major, but you're talking about like 25% of our country, 30% of our country that doesn't have any representation. I know there's some challenges there, of course. It's not as easy as just playing team there, but like I don't think we gave enough attention to the Halifax franchise as we should have, I yeah. wouldn't, I don't want to be overly critical, but I wouldn't have been putting so much energy and resources into Europe when I think we need to have a 10th team. It's, it's kind of hokey pokey to say you have a nine team league. You have a 10 team league, five in each yeah. you know, conference. It's yeah. just more legitimacy, more viewership. And then um, I don't have the answer to secondly, I don't have the answer to, to the, you know, Toronto, BC, Montreal market. So I, I think Mar- Montreal's last year was pretty good for them. Hopefully they can continue that. Um, but Vancouver and Toronto having played there having gone back to each city after they were doing well um, seeing them not doing as good uh, something's got to be done with those cities Um, and I think you need to celebrate your stars Um, I really do I just I don't see us yeah I don't see us marking our stars right like you know there's no I don't know the argument I guess from the ownership would be that well, the, the CBA doesn't allow players to stay that long. I'm like, well, that's cool. But if you pay them, they'll stay. So uh-huh. keep your start, man. Yeah. You know, um, that's, that's, that's what I would do. That's what I would focus on 10th team and focus on keeping your stars um, and get back to partying in the cities. I'm telling you right now, I'm, this is going to sound crazy. <laughs> this is going to sound crazy. And, and I don't think people are going to get it unless you play ball. And they're like, oh, it's a waste of money. This now. I'm telling you, young kids, the pop generation the demographic you're trying to capitalize on 18 to 35 they're out on a friday and saturday night and they're in the clubs they're in the bars and they follow famous people on social media they follow their favorite athletes and they see the videos they make blah blah when you see the cfl boys in your city going hard in a vip booth or at the bar having the black you know being rock stars there's a certain amount of cachet and like wow, these guys are larger than life. These guys, like, they're cool, man. I'm telling you, that plays a big role. I'm, I'm just saying it really does, man. No, and- it's a good point. And I think a lot of people realize this too. Like, when I meet someone or, you know, an athlete meets someone, they say like, oh, now I'm going to start watching the CFL because I know you or I've, I've met you. And that's how you get the viewership up, right? Is getting out there and meeting people. And it's like, oh, now I feel like I have a connection with this guy so I can watch the game with purpose or intent as opposed to just putting on this game and being like, what's going on? 100%. You think about who drives social media. Like, I know the CFL would love, to, like, that's that's what the driving force, the younger generation, the demographic that you want is social media. Like, if you're dealing with, if there's players who are out constantly, and I know you don't want your guys to get out of control partying, but like, you know, it happens regardless whether you want to accept it or not. In various cities, they're cool with the club owners. They're cool with the promoters. They're cool with the influencers on every cities in those social media plate. Like they're known. Like I know, I know what it's like to be out there and be cool and like walk in through the door to any club you want to. And, you know, you're part of that social scene. You're part of that social media scene. So like you're, it's it's like a you know what I mean? It's not like 
it's just a different thing and we don't have that anymore. Right? So it's kind of like almost sometimes the CFL is thought of as being lame in these big cities because you don't have these CFL players out with the quote unquote, like, you know, cool it crowd. If you did have more, man, yeah. I'm just saying like Johnny Manziel, like he comes up here, you know, every promoter knows him. Everything's just cool. They, you know, he's out partying and everything's a bad thing, but a little more of that wouldn't hurt your brand. I'm just saying. And well, think about all the jerseys that sold too in in Montreal, where you know the youth wasn't really behind the team. It was a lot of you know older uh, fans who just were diehard fans throughout the years. And now you see these young kids go, yeah, I'm going to go to a game and pay you know six bucks for a beer or whatever it is, and buy a Johnny Manziel jersey and go watch him play like that. That is getting people in the stands. I personally believe. <clears throat> I'm telling you, man. Like this, it's that lifestyle. Like you can't fake it. You can't be. Oh, the CFO is cool and put some catchy song on there and uh, how these players, you know, in their uniform, you know, doing these ads. That's old school, man. Don't work. You want to have happen organically, get the guys out going out at night together as a team bonding in the city, you know, boots on the ground, you know, getting. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a slippery slope, though, because you don't want your <laughs> players, you know, going out partying all the time. No but Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> yeah. If you can walk the fine line, I think it would pay dividends for sure. So we're going to move to our la- our final segment. Um, we do this thing called the two-minute drill where we put you on the clock. You have two minutes. We ask you uh, questions, and you just have to fire off answers as quickly as possible. I believe Bobby Jurison is our winner so far with uh, – let me check our stats here. Legend. Yeah, the legend. 23. He's got 23. Bag is in second with 22. Fantus and doubles are at 21. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Man, so got so you got we got some. We got. We're getting some guy. We're getting some names on here. Yeah, we're getting some clout around here. Wow. <laughs> um, all right. So I won't start the timer until the first question's read, and then I will ask 10 questions. Then Isaac will come in and ask 10. So that's kind of how the flow of it will go. What's the worst score Ricky so Ray. far? What I need to beat. That's all I need to know. I just need um, to beat the worst. Ricky spent like 38 <laughs> seconds on one question. And we're like, Ricky, we're going for time here. And I think he got like nine or something. It was right, a very cool, bad nine. performance. All right. <laughs> so you just got to do here. nine. Two minutes. Two minutes. Yeah. And they're quick. It's like quick, get it out of your mouth, and let's go. Here we go. So right. what is the best farm animal? Steer. What video game did you play last? Um, Call of Duty. Charcoal or gas? Charcoal. Favorite superhero? Um, Batman. Favorite ice cream topping? Oreo. How many tattoos do you have? Over 40. How many tattoos do you want? <laughs> Another 40. Uh, what is your spirit animal lion regular or mechanical pencils regular beer wine or spirits beer what's your most impressive lifetime achievement is halloween overrated or underrated which one feels better recording a sack fumble or an interception uh, Pringles can Set good or bumble. bad idea <laughs> early terrible bird or Pringles night owl terrible uh, coffee or tea both texting talking coffee. or FaceTime favorite day of the week texting favorite city in the Monday. US besides the one you live in Not valid, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> what's Seattle. what's your go-to activity to relax? <laughs> uh, <laughs> what makes you? What makes a good leader? Uh, leading by example. Scale of one to ten, how good of a driver are you? Ten. Time. Dang, that was good right there, Rick. Man, you were uh, yeah, 22. 22, I think. 22, okay. and you almost slipped up on one of them. 
yeah. we like to kind of go through them and talk with guys. So favorite superhero? I thought you could have been a lot quicker there. You went with the Panic Batman. Was there a reason? I did with Panic Batman. That's what it was. Yeah, because um, there's been so many good Batmans, but there's been some terrible Regular ones too. Or... <laughs> yeah, so. true. Yeah. And best farm animal? You What's went that? with the steer. Best farm yeah. animal? You went with the steer, huh? Why? Yeah. Um, that's what we raised, man. So we raised steers, uh, and I just, yeah, I kind of. Yeah, my yeah, that's what I kind of think of when I think about my dad. Kind of scoffed at the regular versus mechanical pencil one. Man, nobody likes. I don't care what name is it. You like mechanical pencil? What's going wrong with you? Because those things don't work. You know, they snap all the time. You just you can never get the right amount of like lead at the end of them. I hate those. Yeah, and then tattoos. You want forty more? Do you have enough room on your body for that? No, I don't. But I got about ten in the ten in the canister. I haven't gotten any for a couple of years. Just we plan. What we do is like, uh, I'll plan out a tattoo, kind of draw it up. Well, I don't draw it up. Like my boy will draw it up, and then if it's so, I'll sit on it for like six months. If it still like means something to me, um, if I still feel like as convicted as uh, as I did when I thought of it, then I get it. If I don't, yeah. we crash it. So there's about like ten in the clip right now, ready to go. <laughs> I love it. So 22, you're tied with Rob Bag, second on the leaderboard for okay man. That. That's pretty Yeah, heck yeah. So we've had Clarky on here, we've Cameron Judge, uh Craig Reynolds, we've had uh like we said, Ricky Ray. There's been a lot of big time names on here. So welcome to the uh the leaderboard there, Ricky Foley. We, uh, <laughs> I feel we appreciate you being on our show. Yeah, we appreciate you being on the show. You had some great stories for us. I think our listeners are gonna absolutely love. Uh, the behind the scenes that's what they always message us is like hey can we get some more behind the scenes just a peek behind the curtain you know and, and that's uh yeah. so we appreciate you sharing that stuff with us hey no problem at all man i appreciate you having me on and uh much continued success with this i think it's awesome and you guys are uh just gonna keep on getting uh, onward and upwards with this and uh, i think it's gonna blow thank up you. even more so awesome man thank you for listening to the rouge report presented by young's equipment a rough rider podcast the Rouge Report is brought to you by Young's Equipment, your Case IH dealer in Southern Saskatchewan. Young's is home to a wide selection of new and used Case IH combines to meet your needs for any size farm. Their experienced technicians and a wide selection of parts will keep you running all season. Go to youngs.ca and use podcast code ROUGE, R-O-U-G-E, for your chance to win a rider's prize package.